Hi there, this is the Rev. Michael Lowry, pastor of East Congregational United Church of Christ in Concord, New Hampshire, and this is Love to Tell the Story. It was the poet Robert Browning who said it, such ever was love's way, to rise it stoops. And so it is, says Jesus, with the kingdom of God. That's the subject of today's message, which is entitled Stooping Down, and is based on Mark's Gospel, chapter 9, verses 30 through 37. And it starts with a story about a persistent young visitor one day at church. Her name was Emily. She was six years old, and she was a visitor at our church that Sunday morning. Well, not exactly a visitor, but as she and her family were longtime members of the congregation I was serving at the time. But you see, they moved away to Atlanta the year before, and this was their first time back with us since they'd left. So at this fellowship hour after worship, we had all, myself included, crowded around these old friends to visit and to get caught up. Now, I have to confess, at first, I didn't even realize that Emily was standing there. So involved was I in all the small talk that was flying around. But Emily was there, patiently, but quite persistently trying to get my attention. And you know how it goes. First it was, Mr. Lowry? Mr. Lowry? Mr. Lowry? And you know, it was that increasing sense of urgency and intensity that kids can do so very well. But such was the clamor of voices in the room and and my lack of attentiveness, quite frankly, that none of this was working for Emily. So then she moved on to phase two, which was repeatedly yanking on my ministerial robe. Now, this I noticed. But how did I respond? I responded to the way uh, that a lot of parents do from time to time. And I had young kids at the time, so I was an expert at it. I gave her one of these. I gave one finger and the shh. And I then went back to my adult conversation. But Emily, Emily was undaunted. And a minute or three later, when the crowd had dispersed, I finally looked down to find that Emily's eyes were completely affixed on any sign that she might be granted an audience with her former pastor. And at this point, I'm finally starting to get it. And, and so bending close so I could see and hear her, I say, and how are you, Emily? And Emily, bless her, told me how she was. Told me about her new school. Told me about her teacher. Told me about her classmates. Told me about her new best friend. Told me about how hot Atlanta is. About how her mother and father were calling it hot Atlanta about what she'd had for breakfast that morning, and and all sorts of other matters that are crucial to the life of a first grader. Now, the conversation really didn't last all that long. She got bored with me pretty quickly. But when she was done, I'll never forget it, Emily gave me the biggest hug I could ever hope for, and she ran off to play with the other kids in the church. Now, even now, the whole scene makes me laugh. But i got to tell you, that I've never forgotten that particular pastoral conversation, not only because of, of how incredibly important it was for Emily to tell me about her adventures, but how much more important was that I finally, at least, 
stooped down so that I could listen. Wouldn't you agree that in any true act of caring and love, you're going to find somebody stooping down in some way or another? For instance, if you are in a serious conversation with someone, one of the nonverbal signals to show that that person is truly listening to you is they'll lean in a little bit, as if to say, I'm coming in a little closer because I want to make sure I get every word you're saying. Likewise, and I suspect you've done this, if you visited someone in the hospital, then you know, or if you've been in the hospital for that mad, you, you know how awkward it can be standing by a hospital bed and towering over this person who is there feeling weak and sick. So what do you do? Or at least what did you do before these days of COVID? Right, you leaned over, you knelt down, or you pulled up a chair so that you could be at their level, so that you could be eye to eye. It seems like such a small thing, but it's within such relatively small considerations that are found a spirit of caring and love. And might I add, if you've had a loved one who has been sick and hospitalized over the past several months, then you know that these are the considerations that are truly, truly missed. Robert Browning, the great 19th century poet, says this beautifully in a verse that we hear a lot at Christmas time. Such ever was love's way. To rise, it stoops. And according to Jesus, such is the kingdom of God. In our text from this morning, Mark tells the story of how Jesus and his disciples have journeyed through Galilee to the village of Capernaum. They've reached the house where they're going to be staying for the night, and this is when Jesus turns to the disciples and he asks them this question. What were you arguing about on the way? It was another simple question from Jesus without an easy answer. Not to mention a question that is met with embarrassed silence. Because you see, what they've been doing out there on the road was arguing about their legacy specifically arguing about who among them would eventually be remembered as the best and greatest of the disciples. The thing is, even they knew how inappropriate that was, not to mention a tad ironic. After all, all this was happening in the presence of Jesus, who in every aspect of his life was the least lowest and servant of all, and who, incidentally, and we read this in the reading today, had just barely explained to them that this pilgrimage they were on would inevitably lead to betrayal and to his death that would become this incredible sacrifice for the sake of a sinful humanity. And yet, nonetheless, here are all these disciples all bickering with one another over their own self-perceived greatness. Well, Jesus' response to this is to say the least swift and decisive. Whoever wants to be first, he says, must be last of all and servant of all. And to illustrate this point, and this is wonderful, and I would have loved to have seen how it happened, he, he reaches out to a child who's nearby, standing there in the house, and, and he takes the child and he puts it among them, Mark says, as the source of a living parable. 
cradling this little one in his arms, Jesus says to them, whoever embraces one of these children, as I do, embraces me. And far more than me, God who sent me. It's a beautiful and an oh-so-familiar image. But we need to understand that this was no small gesture on Jesus' part. You see, when we read this passage, no doubt we are thinking of children like our own, the ones who are part of our East Church family, the ones who are our grandchildren and nieces and nephews, the ones who are in the circle of our lives, you know, cute and and personable, little bundles of energy and personality. But you see, in Jesus' time, children were not always viewed in that way. But rather, they were seen as unbridled bundles of chaos of very little worth to the world. Many children in those days were sold into slavery, and and that's if they hadn't already been cast out of society or killed, especially, hate to say it, but it's true, especially if they happened to be girls. At best, you see, children were to be seen and not heard, and then not seen very much. When in Mark, when Jesus speaks of welcoming a child, the Greek word that's used is dikomai, which translates to mean to receive or to fully accept. What that means in the context of this passage is that here we have this child who is in, in the scheme of Palestinian life, power, and culture means very little, nothing at all, in fact. And that makes it all the more significant that Jesus embraces that child, holds it close with love and affection. And then he says to the others, when you fully receive and accept this little one who is weak and powerless, unappreciated and unworthy, you're accepting me. What an image that is, friends. Jesus is saying, This is how you become greatest of all. For you see, the kingdom of God is entered through a very small door. And in order to get in, you've got to stoop down. Stoop down to the level of a child. 2,000 years later, of course, it's safe for us to say that we do view the place of children differently and in a more enlightened fashion, at least I hope so, Back to the most part in our society today, I would say we place a high value on welcoming children as well as working hard for their welfare and their nurture. Understanding, of course, that there are rising numbers of children who are hurt, abused, abandoned, and poverty-stricken. And that really ought to be enough to remind us that as a people, we still have a ways to stoop to reach the level of a child so that we can alleviate that pain. But all that having been said, friends, I also want to suggest to you this morning that that for us to focus this text solely on children, as is very tempting and understandably tempting to do, would be to miss the point of what Jesus is saying. Fact is, the child that Jesus is holding in his arms could be that homeless man or woman who stands down on Fort Eddy Road with the sign that says, we'll work for food. 
Or it could be that teenager who is out on the streets here in Concord, the one who's been abused and forgotten and pregnant, quite literally out there with no one and no place to go home to. For that matter, it could be your neighbor who has faced such a barrage of tests and needles and chemotherapy that they are physically, emotionally, and spiritually beaten down to the point where they feel as though they don't even exist anymore. And being stuck in quarantine hasn't helped that situation at all. Look in the arms of Jesus, friends. And you will see that in his loving embrace, he is cradling all of those and so many more. All those who are weak and hurting and powerless. The ones who are the outsiders. The ones that the world views as nobodies. Welcome these, says Jesus. Receive these who are the least of all, and you'll be receiving me. And whoever receives me, dear one, receives the one who sent me. It's an all-important lesson, friends, because in truth, it's very tempting, very easy for us as Christians to glory at who we are, you know? I mean, don't misunderstand me here. I don't want to overstate this here because I know that most of us don't run around with this holier-than-thou attitude. You know, all's wrong with the world except me and thee, and I'm not so sure about thee. I don't think we're like that, but most of us anyway. But it's also true that in the empowerment faith gives us, as well as in our joy of being with and serving God, there is always so always a danger of our standing so tall that we'll miss those below. And that's why we need Jesus, friends. And in this instance, not so much the the Jesus friend, kind and gentle that we love to sing about, but rather the Jesus of hard truth who challenges us to live with a servant's heart. If you're going to follow me, he says, it begins with reaching out and reaching down to the places of hurt and suffering stooping down as you go so that you might be at the same level as those who have been beaten down by life and living and love them just the way I have loved you. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ, friends. It is a gospel that applies globally in society, societally. But never forget that it is a gospel that applies first to you and me, here and now. Put this very simply, sometimes the best thing you and I can ever do for others is simply to be with them, to bring the love of Christ to them in exactly the places where they are. And if that means stooping down, then do it. You know, one of the questions I get asked a whole lot as a pastor is one, what one is supposed to say to someone who has just had a death or a in the family or a tragedy in their family. I mean, we've all been there, haven't we? We've gone to the visiting hours at the funeral home. We, we, we wait in line. We know the family is coming up. And the whole time we are wondering how we can possibly get past the awkwardness of the moment and say something, anything that might give this friend or loved one a comfort in this horrible grief they're experiencing. Or at least to say something, or at least not to say something, that will inadvertently make things worse. 
But you see, the thing is, is we really don't have to worry about that because it's not really about what we say, is it? The fact is, what they're going to remember later on are not our words of eloquence or wisdom. They're not going to remember if we were at a loss for words. What they're going to remember is that we were there, is that we looked them in the eye to see their sadness, that we took their hands and ours and we hugged them, if only these days, in a socially distanced fashion, and we cried with them for a bit. Maybe the only words that were ever spoken were, I'm sorry, even if it's that, but it spoke volumes. And trust me, we did more good in that moment, offered more healing, showed more love than we ever thought possible. And all simply because we cared. And we showed that care by stooping down low enough that we might touch and feel and share in their pain and grief. Beloved, if you want an example of how to be Christ-like in these troubled times, there it is. If we can love like that, we, if we choose to love like that, letting Christ's love be manifest us, then we're not far from the kingdom of God. As Christians, as followers of Jesus Christ, this is our life's calling, yours and mine, wherever we are, however we live. It's to love one another with a love that stoops. As it says elsewhere in Scripture, truly I say to you, just as you did it to one of the least of these, you did it to me. Go forth, beloved, and serve the Lord today with that kind of love. And may our thanks be to God. Amen and amen. And that's the message entitled Stooping Down. And it was recorded for our September 20th online worship service at East Church in Concord, New Hampshire. By the way, those online services are continuing into the fall, so if you're looking for a way to worship, we'd invite you to join us every Sunday morning at 10 o'clock via Facebook Live on our East Church Facebook page. We'd really like to have you be a part of that experience. And with that, we're at the end of another episode of Love to Tell the Story. This is Michael Lowry, and I do thank you for listening today. And until next time, stay safe, be well, and may God bless you with a great day every day. Talk to you soon.